0: Over a decade of experience in video games,
1: and all he has to show for it is this stupid podcast. It's Behind the Line Radio, with your host, Kinetic, and it starts now. Holy cow, it has been a while. Sorry everybody, but hello everybody and welcome to Behind the Line Radio. And, well, I've my life, like I said before, has been kind of on fire, so... I was a little out of it during E3, but I've got someone here to help me, Marco, who is actually at E3 and manning a booth even. Marco, how are you doing today? Pretty good, thanks, Nick. So I'll just start off by saying, if this episode sounds a little weird, it's because we're actually face-to-face, and uh, so recording works a little differently this way, so you might hear a little bit of echoiness. I apologize for that. At least we found the right microphone this time, because <laughs> <laughs> we were... Yeah, when we were setting this up, we uh, were trying to do some test recording and had the wrong microphone set, and it sounded terrible. Anyway, Marco, how was E3 for you? Uh, Pretty interesting.
0: Uh, I've been to many E3s, probably 10+, plus, but this was my first time working one, and it was uh, a lot different. Um, a lot more tiring than you might think. You might think standing there talking to people all day isn't that hard, but um, it really is when you're <laughs> just standing there. Uh, all day. Uh, not only that, we were in a uh, third-party booth and, uh, with Microsoft uh, showing off a game in there, and they had special events after the show every night, so we were there pretty much 12 hours a day,
1: oh, every day. That, yeah. Almost <laughs> no matter what you're doing, if you're doing it for 12 hours, it's pretty exhausting. Yeah,
0: yeah. But uh, it was good. Um, you know, reception for the game we were showing was really good. Um, hmm. And uh, a lot of people seemed excited about it. Um, One interesting thing about, you know, our area is we had two little stations in the Microsoft area, but we're showing a multiplayer game. So we always had four people at these two stations, plus myself and another person working there. So it was pretty cramped in that little area.
1: (laughs) How big was the area? Uh, Not very big. Um, Well, you're talking about like, let's, let's compare it to, say, an arcade cabinet.
0: Yeah, probably two and a half right next to each other. Oof, like, you know, no space in between them, like, if you put them together that much. Because we had, you know, five screen TVs there, Mm. and in front of them, we had the consoles underneath, was, you know, a small area for a PC, and uh, we had those right next to each other, and we were kind of on the corner. (laughs) Um, So, not much, not a lot of space, and a lot of people there wanting to play the game and check it out, uh, which was good, but yeah, it got a little crowded. (laughs) (laughs) Do you have any big lines for your your demonstration? Um, Well, we were in like a little hallway. Um, so there was us on one side and then on the other side, there were other games. Mm. So we did have a line all the time. It was about four or five people deep, but it couldn't get longer than that because, <laughs> you know, there was game on the other side of the hall as well. So, uh-huh. um, there was always a steady flow of people. Um, so it was pretty crowded, but it didn't get huge, you not know, like the Nintendo line or anything <laughs> like that. You know, you weren't <laughs> waiting three or four hours to play the game.
1: Yeah. Especially. I heard the Zelda line got pretty crazy. Yeah. About four hours. Oh, I think. Wow.
0: Three to four hours was average for that line.
1: Yeah, you, yeah. For I, I, I can't imagine waiting in line four hours to play a demo right. personally. That's just my taste. I mean, that would make it sound like I'm not super hardcore into games, and gaming is my life. But I just, I've got other things to do with my time. I'm,
0: yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. Uh, I did get to play it.
0: Oh, that's because nice. I had an exhibitor badge and I can go in an hour early. So <laughs> I, I lined up about a half hour before the show started and still had to wait about a half hour to get in Oof. um but uh it was really cool it, mm-hmm. was, it was a good game um do you want to talk about it a little bit
1: or? uh sure why don't why don't we table that for now and, and talk more about uh your experiences running the booth so um were i mean were the um people coming in looking to the demo the the um patrons i suppose the guests at e3 mm-hmm. uh how, how was uh dealing with them on the other side
0: not bad um a lot of them were familiar with the game from previous iterations, but you know, had never seen anything um, regarding the new one because uh, it's you know it's hasn't been out here. It's been in location tests in certain areas and things like that, but there's no way to get your hands on it right now. So, a lot of people were interested in playing, but didn't know much about it. So, one thing I would do is you know tell people about the new mechanics of the game as they came up, so they were familiar with it. So, when they got into the gameplay, they can actually know how to do things and uh, check out the new features. Um, a lot of people would come back. I was really surprised how yeah. often people would come back. We had a group of about seven guys. They weren't together, but the same seven guys. I would see them every day for hours, <laughs> and they would just rotate in the line. Uh, you know, when they were done, they would go in the back line, just keep going, and keep playing, and they would be there for hours. Some people mm. were really into it, which was really great to see. You know, it's it's awesome when you see people liking what you you know what your company is working on. Yeah, and having fun with it. So. Um, overall, like the impression was really positive from people. Like there was nobody that came and played it and they really hated it. Mm. So everyone that did play it seemed to really enjoy it, which was you know overwhelmingly awesome to
1: see. Cool. Did yeah? Uh, uh, would you say those uh, those uh, people who came and just cycled through that you saw so often were they the, like your favorite visitors? <laughs> Yes and no. <laughs> some
0: of them were. Some of them were really cool. A lot of them would ask me questions that I had no idea about, though, <laughs> for you know specific data about the game that you know I, I'm just not aware of. <laughs> um, so you know I'd answer a lot of no, I don't know, unfortunately, um, and you know some of the information we can't give out anyway.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, but you know some of the people there were competitive players uh, in other games, um, and they came to, you know check it out and stayed for a while and really enjoyed it. So it's good to see that you know people that like. Enjoy other games competitively of the same style, are coming to play this one and really having you know fun with it and keep coming back to play more.
1: All right. Um, <clears throat> anyone, anyone like with a name to recognize, or
0: um, you know, some NFL player did come by and played <laughs> cool. the game,
1: but. I
0: honestly don't know who it was. Like they told me his name, and I was just like, uh, all right, and you play for the NFL. You look like you played for the NFL. You, you got this giant entourage with you, so I assume you're an NFL player. Um, you know, go ahead. And, uh, you know, uh, he played for a while. He seemed to enjoy it. Um, we had the mascot come and play the game. This guy in a giant lion mascot suit came and uh, played the game for a while, and that was interesting. <laughs> Uh, no big like celebrities came by to play. Um, I did see a couple. Well, maybe you know some like competitive gaming celebrities were, mm. did come by and play. Um, you know, some people that play the game competitively uh, were there. Um, I did see Method Man in the area, <laughs> but uh, I don't think he came by to play. He was just right. walking around the area uh, taking video. But that was about it. Uh, not as many celebrities as you normally see at E3, or hmm. that I've seen, in, has, you know, in the past. But um, a lot of fans of the game, a lot of people coming to play, so it was good. Anyway,
1: hmm. um, how did uh, did you have any any uh, visitors or guests that were particularly problematic? Any weird horror stories? Or anything, <laughs> anything that you feel comfortable sharing? Not not
0: too many people were problematic. Um, there were a couple people that would come and they would play with their friends and they wouldn't want to get off but if you know if people were waiting and i just mentioned like hey you guys already played a few times you know can you let these other people play they didn't really you know give me any problems mm-hmm. they they understood you know they were pretty understanding and they would actually just you know if they wanted to keep playing they would just go back to the end of the line
1: mm-hmm. and let
0: people f- go through and yeah. you know then they would play together uh-huh. um a lot of times we would have you know couples come by and they'd want to play together so even if you know somebody was playing and they stayed on because they won or something like that. They didn't really have a problem giving up their spot so, you know, people could play with their friends and stuff like that. So overall pretty good crowd. Nice.
1: Nice. Um, um, yeah, really no no problems. That's good. Yeah. That's that's good. Uh let's see. So yeah, let's start talking about um uh, Zelda then. <laughs> what was your what was your take on it? Uh, one of the things uh I took from what I saw from the uh videos that got released was Um, You don't get a sword right away. You get, like, sticks and, like, beat-up swords and other stuff that'll break on you. And it looks like weapon degradation is a really big thing in this game. Yeah, it is. pretty aggressive weapon degradation. It it really
0: is. Uh, Sticks, you get about, you know, two to four hits with them generally before they break. (laughs) But you can get them from anywhere, you know. Mm. Um, Every... Enemy that I fought dropped a weapon of some sort, a sword or a pitchfork or something like that. So you, you can get weapons frequently, but that was kind of one of my biggest issues with the game was that I was breaking weapons left and right. Mm. Um, I'm sure later on, you know, as you get better weapons and maybe you can craft more things, crafting seems to be really big in the game, crafting, cooking, collecting, things like that. Um, you 're probably going to make you know way better stuff, and there might be a way to you know I don't know, repair or you know sharpen or something like in some other games um, but yeah that, that was one thing I did notice <laughs> that was uh, a little limiting was you know I was I was trying to fight everything, and all my weapons were, were breaking a lot but yeah. everything did drop weapons they were just kind of weak
1: um, well I, one of the things that struck <laughs> me was actually right before I saw the video uh, the, that I managed to see. I was thinking to myself, you know, it'd be really nice if we had a Zelda game where you didn't get the Master Sword very early. Like, So there was this huge build-up, like, you know, 75-80% of the game you're working to get the Master Sword to deal with the thing, rather than you get the Ma- Master Sword and then, like, you know, Link to the Past or, or Ocarina of Time, so you get the Master Sword and then kind of the world opens up to you. Mm-hmm. It's kind of the, the signal of the beginning of things. And instead, like... I think it, I, I would. I was thinking it'd be really nice if getting the master sword was the signal of okay, now we're entering the end game. Mm-hmm. You finally got the thing that you needed to get to be able to deal with the problem. And so when, I, when right after I thought that, I saw the video and was like, "Oh, hey, look, he he doesn't." That and I saw a clip of him like picking up a rusty old sword. It's like belonged to a great swordsman long ago. I'm like, "Is that the master sword? And a rusty piece of crap. That ain't the master sword."
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean. Uh, It seems like it. It seems like you're going to have to work for a lot lot more in this game to get anything, you know, of of great value as far as weapons go. But um, it was overall, though, the game was really fun. Um, So they had it was basically about a 35 minute demo that you played. Um, You watch a little video when you first go in uh, and then you play a 15 minute tutorial. Where it shows you all the mechanics of the game, you learn it's an open area, um, shows you how to fight, how to stealth around, um, hunt things, how to gather things, cook and stuff like that. And then after you're done with that fifteen minute demo, you basically play the beginning of the game, which is a twenty minute demo. Um, so you got to, you know, a good amount of gameplay and exploration, which was fun. Uh, I got to I felt like I experienced a lot. Um, and then, you know, there's somebody there watching you, helping you play. Um, uh-huh. so <clears throat> after, you know, when I was getting towards the end of the demo, you know, he asked me to, you know, pause the game and look at the map. And then <laughs> that one little tiny area that I played for 20 minutes is about 1% of the map. It's pretty <laughs> huge. So, um, that, that
1: sounds like a pretty well set up, uh, exchange there. Okay. Right. You're almost done. Now pause the game and yeah. look at the map. Yeah. That's how big the game actually I is. I think that was a the point they definitely yeah. wanted to
0: make with all the employees there. And, uh, and
1: I can I can appreciate that one too because that's one of the weird things. Like Hyrule to me has this is going to be a weird analogy. Hyrule to me has always felt to me like Narnia, mm-hmm. whereas say in Skyrim it feels like uh, Middle Earth, Lord of the Rings. Because mm-hmm. in Narnia in the books always felt really small, like you could get from one end to the other in a day, mm-hmm. and. The half the point of the Lord of the Rings trilogy is just how big and how far they had to travel. All of this, mm-hmm. so you know, you're talking about ruling a kingdom of High Rule that apparently has one castle with like three people in it, one village with thirty people in it, mm-hmm. and that's the entire kingdom. All right. And and this this kingdom of a couple dozen people has three gods <laughs> and all this other stuff. So. Seeing something be made to be bigger mm-hmm. in this universe, I, I always thought was it was something I always looked for. Yeah, actually, and
0: this one I think definitely delivers on that cool. for sure.
1: Yeah. Um. There, they, actually, there was another thing about uh, the mechanics of the game. I saw someone on Game of Suits saying that oh, this is a this is a crazy like brave new choice to let Link jump in the game and. I, I immediately scrolled down to the comments, and fortunately someone there called out the very first thing I thought of, which was, wait, Link could jump in Link's, uh, uh, Link's Awakening, the third one on the Game Boy. <laughs> and I thanked myself further, he jumped a lot in Zelda 2. And then there were other examples in there, like Minish Cap and some more. It's like, Link jumping isn't new. What are you talking about? Right. Yeah.
0: He um, could do a lot of cool stuff in this one. You can swim around, climb, you know, as you're climbing, jump. You have a stamina meter. No, um, yeah. that kind of limits you, but so you have to, you know, make sure you have enough stamina to do what you're trying to do, but mm. it wasn't, it didn't seem overly limiting, it, it, you just had to manage it correctly, yeah. which kind of adds just another layer of strategy to whatever you're doing, make sure you have enough stamina to do what you're trying to do and find the most efficient way.
1: Yeah, it actually, uh, that mechanic reminded me, I mean, I don't know if it feels this way, but the, the concept reminded me a lot of the sort of gription stamina meter in Shadow of the Colossus.
0: Yeah. That's what I hear a lot of people comparing it to, um, which is
1: pretty similar. All right. And speaking of which, apparently, finally, the successor game is going to be coming out, Mm -hmm. which was like, the only piece of news that I actually really cared about from E3. The Last Guardian actually has a release date. Hallelujah? (laughs) I don't suppose you got to see any of that. I didn't uh, get to play any of it. They did have a really cool...
0: um, like interactive display setup, so they had this giant screen with the guardian on it, and you can stand in front of it. And it had this thing that you could pick up, and if you like moved it around, it the guardian would kind of follow you and oh, catch geez. you. So it was it was pretty cool. It was cool, again. Yeah. it was a nice little promotional piece for it. Yeah, Sony had a weird thing this year where um, to see any of their games, uh, it's pretty efficient, but it kind of fell short in letting people know how to use it. Mm-hmm. Um, where you had to download an app. And then you had to go to the game you were interested in and schedule a time for you to go see it, (laughs) which is, you know, very efficient. It's a great system, but a lot of people just kind of walked by and assumed that, oh, it's press only and didn't know to download the app and, you know, schedule times and stuff like that. So it didn't necessarily work out Mm. great for them, I don't think. I mean, (laughs) the people that found it, you know, got to see stuff, but... Um, it was it was a little strange. It's, yeah. it's different. Yeah, have...
1: it's it's a like a virtual <clears throat> line, right? Or like those uh, uh, when you're calling in some place and they put you on hold, and it's like you know what, you don't have to stay on the phone. We'll call you back when someone's ready, right? Kind right. Of thing. Yeah, you're describing that actually reminded me a lot of the um, the the paddy wagon idea that they had on Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Download this. Download an app on your phone. Sign in with Facebook and order your drink that way. <laughs> Uh, for anyone out there who likes Always Sunny in Philadelphia, uh, actually, here's a here's another question. Did you see any particularly, like, I don't know if you should call them ridiculous or ostentatious or just overbuilt kind of booths? Because when I was when I was at GDC, there was that one uh, what was it Clash of Kings or something like that mm-hmm. uh, booth that was just ridiculous, or the uh, um, Nvidia or something had a booth that had a McLaren in it for no apparent reason <laughs> why 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 is there a car here that costs about as much as the building it's in yeah um,
0: a little bit but in a couple of different ways so uh, Square Enix had a gigantic setup there with you know they always have a giant screen um, but they had a lot of signage and they gave away these ridiculous re- ridiculously large bags, like swag bags for you to carry around. I think they were Final, <laughs> Final Fantasy XIV bags, but they were huge. They were like you know, you put it on your shoulder and it basically hangs down to the ground. Oh, jeez, you could fit like three people in there if you want, <laughs> if you tried to. I'm surprised we didn't see videos of people wearing them around the convention. Um, at least I didn't. But they they were ridiculously huge. <laughs> so um, there was that in that way. Bethesda had a pretty huge. Um, area set up there with these like ridiculously large uh floor-to-ceiling signs for their games Mm. um
1: did anything bethesda i'm just curious if bethesda had anything in particular front and center if it was like fallout 4 or doom not really, they, okay. just,
0: they just had, a, they were kind of promoting all their stuff equally, mm. which was okay. interesting. Um,
1: after hearing, um, I can't remember his name, and I'm a little embarrassed by that, but after hearing the guy at uh, the GDC Game Awards, um, the Developer's Choice Awards, get his like Lifetime Achievement Award, and actually specifically calling out QA everywhere, I have a much deeper appreciation for Bethesda, just on a professional level, mm-hmm. so...
0: One thing I did think was ridiculous, though, was um, the mobile device and VR and carrier booths. They were huge. Like Samsung had a really, really huge setup in the South Hall right in the front with their Samsung gear and you know VR stuff. And um, T-Mobile had a booth there for no particular reason. To... Samsung I
1: get much better than yeah.
0: T-Mobile. Uh, T-Mobile, I guess, was trying to show off the strength of their network or something. So they, <laughs> they were they were holding uh, Overwatch tournaments there for, on, on the T-Mobile Net. I don't know what they were doing, but they had a really big booth. And I was just like, what does E3 become <laughs> when T-Mobile has a giant booth in one of the main halls here? Um, so yeah, HTC um, had a booth for their Vive. And Naiko had the biggest booth I've ever mm. seen them have ever. Um, these were all in the main South Hall, where the uh, third-party publishers are. So hmm. um, that was really different for me to see at E3 this year. Was how big some of those booths were for hmm. no apparent reason.
1: It uh, did. I, I I get. Do you know if T-Mobile's network actually held up? I I don't know.
0: I kind of <laughs> just walked by and didn't really pay any attention. Um, yeah.
1: I, I just to explain how strong my reaction was. Uh, Mark and I worked together at a place where. <laughs> Uh, that particular office at the time, uh, T-Mobile had a heat map for signal strength, and we were in the strongest area. They said that this was the maximum signal strength area because there was a tower, like, not too far away. And uh, if we went into the kitchen, our T-Mobile devices lost all connectivity.
0: Yeah, and about
1: 5 o'clock every day.
0: Oh, yeah, it shut down. The network shut down. Because people are getting
1: off of work. Yeah, so, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It just got crushed by people leaving work. Yeah. Oh, I forgot about that one. Yeah. So hopefully they're better now. <laughs> uh one would hope. You can't they you know, they can't be worse. They're still in business, so Yeah. Uh, but okay. um yeah, you know, a lot of
0: E3 has changed a lot. Um one thing I noticed this this year is a lot of stuff is just um like theater shows uh, where they're showing demos of the game or videos. Instead of having hands on there, there were very few um, third-party publishers anyway in the South Hall that had hands on playable. Hmm. Um, Microsoft had a ton, Sony had a lot, um, Square had a lot, um, but um, for a lot of the third-party stuff, it was just uh, videos and theater shows
1: and things like that. Hmm. What do you <clears throat> mean by theater shows? Is it just another video, or did they had like some sort of stage presentation?
0: They had like a little stage presentation. Um, mm-hmm. For example, uh, Injustice 2, uh, that was one of them. You go into a theater, they let like 40 people in at a time. They show off a video and there's a guy talking about the the video that they're showing. They they kind of try to make it feel like it's live, but it's really not. Um, They're just kind of talking over a video. Um, some of the theater shows were live, though they had people actually playing the game and demoing it while the guy wow. was talking. So you know, some of them are live, but um, in Justice Two, uh, in particular, that one was just uh, the guy talking about the video that was playing. You could, <laughs> you could, you could tell. <laughs> um, yeah, I think uh, Capcom had a neat like Resident Evil VR thing, but I didn't have a chance to check it out. They had this whole house. Uh, where you'd go in and do something. I don't know what was in there, Mm. unfortunately, but uh, that seemed pretty cool. Um, It had a long line as well, uh, so I didn't get to check that out too much. Um, But since I was at the Microsoft booth, I did get hands-on with a lot of stuff that was there, um, and there was a lot of stuff I hadn't heard about that was was really good. Mm.
1: Um, Anything in particular impress you?
0: Yeah, uh, this game, ReCore um it's being developed by the guys that did Metroid Prime and oh the retro studios yeah Mega Man X okay. um somebody from that team is involved with them like the creative director or something okay uh that game was pretty good um they had a really long demo though uh it was overly long for E3 because oh. it made their line really long it was about I mean I'm, I'm pretty decent at shooters and you know it took me about a half hour to clear mm. so uh it was pretty long but it was really really fun game um Similar to Metroid Prime, well, it's a third-person shooter, and then you can switch your ammo types to do damage to different types of enemies, and then you have a little robot companion with you. I think there's going to be five in the game total when it comes out, but there were two in the demo, and you can switch between them, and they had different abilities and attacks, and then there were also, you know, bosses and puzzle elements and stuff like that you had to solve, so uh, I hadn't heard anything about the game before I went in there and got to play it for a while, and it was actually
1: pretty fun. I'm probably going to be picking that one up. All right. Um, you heard it here for her here first, folks. Recore. Yeah. How do yeah. you spell that one? R-E-C-O-R? E. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, I was thinking like E-Core or something. Yeah.
0: No, like Recore. I think, you know, she. The, I think the main character is some kind of mechanical salvager and takes mm. the cores out of stuff and replaces them or something like that. All right. That's what I gleaned from the uh, the demo anyway and the uh, video they showed. Um there was a there was a neat little game from Adult Swim games.
1: Um, it's a they got some kids stuff.
0: Yeah, it's a it's a side-scrolling platform shooter. Um, it's called uh, Rise and Shine. I think the main character's name is Rise, and he gets a <laughs> gun named Shine. But it's kind of a parody of the game industry, so it was interesting. Like um, uh, you start out the game, and there's like a Linkish character and some other character from another game, and they battle, and the Linkish guy dies but he gives the gun shine to this little kid uh whose city is being attacked and it's up to him to go save the city so it was it was actually pretty fun um it's kind of old school mechanic but it looked really nice um great gameplay uh that game was pretty fun um played a few other games there cuphead
1: i've heard of that one uh,
0: that's uh it's a platformer like a it's kind of an old school platformer it looks like really really old disney cartoons huh um visually looks great um gameplay is kind of uh it's good but it was it was kind of i don't know it felt really old which i guess that's what they're going for but Mm -hmm. um it it didn't seem like anything there was anything new Mm -hmm. uh, in it it was solid it's a solid platform game but um and it looks really cool but uh didn't really hook me or anything like
1: that saying it looked like an old uh disney cartoon was that like um uh high-res pixel art kind of stuff or was it 3d self-shaded stuff it's
0: made to look exactly like the old cartoon so it's got this filter over it Mm. um and it looks like the slides are going kind of and stuff Uh like that you can see little defects and things like Ah. that so it's it's
1: made to look really really old okay like 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 like, are you talking like steamboat willie kind of yeah exactly
0: exactly that art style
1: actually um yeah Uh,
0: and the main character is a cup with with arms (laughs) and legs (laughs) that's Cuphead.
1: (laughs) Uh, Uh, Something like uh, uh, just making me think of uh, the Brave Little Toaster.
0: Yeah. Uh, What else did I get my hands on there? Ghost Recon Wildlands. uh, New Tom Clancy game. Uh, Interesting, but not very new. Um, It's basically Ghost Recon, but open-world co-op. So if you've ever played Mercenaries, uh, the series... It's pretty much that, except four players instead of two. Huh. Um I, I
1: haven't played many Tom Clancy games. I played like one of the first Rainbow Six games, which was really rough on the mechanics. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, uh, anything, I, I'm all for more co-op. Yeah. And stuff. so,
0: if you have a group of friends to play with, it seems like it's going to be pretty fun. Um, but it's just very, very similar to Mercenaries. Looks a lot better. Um, you know, I'm sure the network is a lot better now. Um, but uh very similar to that game. uh got to play Battlefield one, um which was interesting. It's kind of like they took every battlefield they've ever made and put it together into one. So you have you know like the the old it's World War One, which they haven't done, but you know it's similar to the World War two era that they did before. It's got the destruction mechanics of bad company. It's got game modes from three and four. <laughs> and so it's they kind of just put everything together in this one game. Um uh, it's pretty solid. It's battlefield, you know. Yeah. Um, I like it. Uh they did add one thing that's new is uh they have these giant um gosh, I'm forgetting the name right now. Um they call them like war machines or something like that. They're, uh what was the Hindenburg? A blimp? Uh, dirigible. Dirigible. Okay, so they have these giant ones that if a team is losing, they'll come in and they'll have a bunch of turrets on them, so your team can jump on the turrets and like you know kind of shoot down at the ground and stuff like that. (laughs) Think of like the Call of Duty Uh, AC-130s. They've added that to the game. That's that's pretty new. Um, And the game I was most disappointed in playing at E3. I was was going to ask (laughs) Final Fantasy 15. I've been watching the game for a long time. I love Final Fantasy. I've been really excited about it coming out because it looks interesting. But the demo they had at E3 was terrible. Yeah. (laughs) It was just terrible. Um, It was in a level that had this kind of haze graphic, I guess, because it was hot. So Mm -hmm. it made the game look bad to Uh. start out with, which wasn't smart.
1: Someone probably said they wanted to show this off.
0: (laughs) Right. Um, The... Mechanics like I didn't, I don't know if it had it, so let me not just say it doesn't have a lock on mechanic. But when I was battling stuff, it was hard to lock onto it and actually hit it. I found myself missing a lot, so maybe I just couldn't find the lock on. Uh, I'll give it the benefit of the doubt in that. Um, But the end of the demo, you fight this boss, and it's just a mess. (laughs) Uh, It's got a bunch of quick time events where prompts aren't cleared. You have to press the button repeatedly, hold it. What are you doing? Like, what's the timing? yeah, it just, it was not good. I'm, mm. I'm still, I'm probably still going to get the game. Everything else I've seen about it looked really good, but this demo in particular um, was just not good. I, I really don't know why they decided to show this mm. particular thing at E3. Yeah,
1: yeah well, maybe uh, it's possible you couldn't find the lock-on mechanism. It's possible Definitely. there's been a debate there about should you have a lock-on mechanism or not. Mm-hmm. A lot of people went, it, there's a weird sort of, Schism in terms of uh, perception about, oh, this this isn't a final product. It's like, oh, they're missing this thing. Oh, it's not a final product, so this could be added later. Chances are, if you're demonstrating something at E3, it should be containing all of the features in the released version. Mm -hmm. Um, So if they didn't have a lock-on in there, someone somewhere was saying that we're not going to have a lock-on in there. But if they're getting a lot of... Here's the flip side to it, though. If they're getting a whole lot of feedback saying... Where's the lock on information? Is it's loud enough mm-hmm. and strong enough? Then you might actually have it affect the design to some extent because you know the people making it don't exactly know how the people playing it are going to be playing it. Mm-hmm. Hence, things in mobile like soft launch and user analytics and funnels and all that stuff. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, let's see here. Anything else you want to talk about for uh, uh, displays? That were there this year.
0: Um, Nintendo's booth was really nice. Uh, Zelda was the only thing they were showing, so yeah. their whole area was themed like Zelda. Inside, they had you know giant statues of Link and uh, all the enemies in different areas, all the treasure chests and everything like cool. that. The um, when you when you first go in, you sit in this little room and they kind of tell you a story about the game and then like show a video and then the screen lifts up and kind of lets you into the area and huh. the. The graphic they have on the screen when it lifts up is like from the game and it's like this this gate opening. It looked kind of cool. It was, it was a nice intro into their area, which was... Uh, There's a lot of... It
1: sounds like there was a whole lot of showmanship involved. Yeah, definitely for Nintendo. Nice. Um,
0: Tekken had a really cool setup in front of the South Hall entrance. They had the Mishima Dojo
1: recreated there so they had you
0: know the whole dojo set up and they had cosplayers out there they had a photo booth or a photo thing that you could take pictures with them uh, with all the cosplayers in the Mashima dojo so that that was pretty cool (laughs) and right behind that um, Final Fantasy 14 had a giant chocobo that you could you took a ladder you can climb up on it
1: sit on it and take a picture Um, that was also pretty cool um, for the Mishima Dojo I'm a big fan of Tekken so I just gotta start asking a couple questions about that in particular did they have someone playing Heihachi with the crazy hair yes <laughs> they did
0: oh, <laughs> there should be there should definitely be pictures of the cosplayers uh, uh, I might have out. to look for that um, pretty much all of them were, were spot on as far as the cosplay goes there was a cool. couple of
1: them that were questionable but um, <laughs> well some of them were kind of hard to do I mean yeah. you're not going to have someone play Jack
0: they had um Heihachi Lucky Chloe, Xiaoyu, Josie, Kazuya, and Kazumi, I believe, there uh, as the cosplayers. So that was that was actually pretty cool. And the giant Chocobo. Um, other than that, uh, I wasn't really super impressed with anybody's setup or decor there. Right. Um, like I said, Nintendo was, was cool. Um, yeah, that's about it.
1: All right. Um, since you've attended so many, uh, how would you say... I mean, th- this might be a, a, a dumb question, but uh, how would you say it is different or similar? Like, hmm, let me start asking this question again from the beginning and stop tripping over my own words. After attending so many E3s and then working one, uh, how would you say the transition was for you?
0: <laughs> I'd much rather uh, not work it and just <laughs> attend it, just so you know, I have more time to go check stuff out. Uh, there's a lot of stuff I didn't get to see, but... It was diff- it was interesting seeing it from the other side yeah. of being someone working there showing something off and it was actually a good feeling uh, seeing people playing a game and you know liking it and enjoying it so before when it was just about me going and uh, seeing the things I wanted to see and grabbing all the swag I could um, I got the other side of it which was you know trying to show stuff off and you know um, educate people about a game and then you know tell them answer questions and stuff like that um, so. It's fun in its own way. It's just a, a lot of standing.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Do you at least have some of those like really cushy pads at your booth that you
0: can stand on? Uh, not pads, but the, I think under the carpet there was something, uh-huh. so it wasn't it wasn't that bad. Okay, um, it wasn't like we were standing on concrete. Yeah, that,
1: that would have been terrible. I, I've I've always been very surprised that when I step onto one of those really soft surfaces, like oh, this is so much easier on my knees. Mm-hmm. Why is that? I don't know. Whatever. I don't know. <laughs> Uh, would you say that there was anything that uh, surprised you about uh, being a presenter or you know booth worker or whatever?
0: Um, it it kind of surprised me that we didn't have problematic people. <laughs> yeah, in all honesty, um, <laughs> I, I was actually surprised with um, how cool everybody was about you know the game and letting people play and not you know trying to hog it or take too much time or anything like that. Like the the people that we had come by were all pretty respectful hmm. and you know if you had to ask somebody to you know give someone else a turn like there was no argument you know nobody was like oh no no i don't want to or anything like that or you know um that was actually
1: surprising in a very good way yeah glad to hear that yeah. um let's see another question back on the games was there anything with a particularly interesting new mechanic or any kind of weird indie game? Something, something new and different that surprised you that we haven't already talked about? Mm, oh, uh,
0: one game I didn't talk about that was uh, interesting was um, Sea of Thieves. Mm. It's a uh, co-op pirate game. Mm. So I think you play at least five people on a crew. Um, you start out on a dock and then you get in the ship and the crew has to work together to do everything. You have to raise the sails, you have to raise the anchor, you have to, you know, have a person on the helm, Um, you want to have a person up in the crow's nest to look out, and basically, you know, you sail around, fight other pirate ships and stuff like that. Um, Hmm. That was uh, pretty interesting. It sounds... um, uh, Would that be like other
1: pirate ships would be controlled by other players? Yeah. Oh, Exactly.
0: So, uh, in the demo, they had three different crews that were all playing against each other, and, um, you know... So you had to do all that stuff I mentioned, like raise anchor, raise sails, things like that. Um, And then when you start battling, you have people, you know, obviously aiming cannons, firing them. But also, you have have, to—if you get hit, you got to have people go down and repair. So you're you're constantly Mm. running around doing something on the ship. Yeah, it's,
1: it's it sounds a little bit like Artemis Space Bridge Simulator. Yeah. Except a pirate ship. Not as good. In, in my opinion, in my
0: opinion, not as cool, but um, as Artemis.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah. I Ar- really enjoy Artemis though.
1: So. <laughs> yeah, for those who d- haven't seen it, go go look it up. Artemis Space Bridge Simulator. Imagine yeah. if you were, you know, crew on the bridge of the Enterprise.
0: They do also have a uh, Star Trek VR. Uh,
1: I, I saw I saw about that. They yeah. had like Star Trek actors playing on that. Right um i didn't get it. to see it but i did see
0: videos of it it looks interesting mm. um you know liking artemis it might be something that's uh worth it to check out but see if these was um different i can see it being frustrating if you're playing online um, uh with randoms if you have a group of friends to play with or something like that it's gonna be great you're yeah gonna, and you're you're gonna love it um but would if, it, would it,
1: is it is it at all possible to like solo a ship do you think like we've done in uh,
0: Artemis, <laughs> not effectively, because you'd have to run back and forth and do everything. Ah. Um,
1: oh, so because because there's okay, that makes sense because you got you got time lost in your physical location, <laughs> virtual right. physical location. You have to go to man different right. stations. So Whereas in Artemis, to... you you just Artemis is just uh, one uh, computer is the the station itself, and you don't have to right. move between. You would right. just like grab a different computer; it's your different station. Mm-hmm.
0: You might be able to get sailing and steer, but you couldn't fight another ship at all.
1: Like, <laughs> yeah, that just
0: unless I, I mean, I dare anyone to try. <laughs> anyway,
1: <laughs> this, so, this sounds like something that we're going to have to do later. Right. Is you have one ship. I have one ship right. and we duel each other in the clumsiest naval battle <laughs> ever attempted and we'll record it and post it. Right. I don't know, maybe. Um but it seemed pretty cool. I think you could even
0: jump ship and like climb on another one and try to Ooh. sabotage them and stuff like that. Um which which would be pretty interesting to see how yeah. that would work too. Um but it was it was pretty fun. It was a fun experience. But like I said, it seems like something you're gonna need a group of friends with or else you're gonna um you might have a very frustrating experience mm. uh, during the demo. I think they had two people from the dev team playing with each crew. Oh, that's so probably a good idea. If you got, you know, if you really didn't know what to do, or you know, they would help out a little bit just to because you know everybody's playing this for the very first time. Yeah, no one's barely no instructions or anything like that. So um, they had people kind of helping helping the crews out, which was a pretty good move.
1: <laughs> yeah, um, so but th- game, th- there's definitely, like you said, with the the Zelda demo, it's like, okay, now look at the map. There's there's definitely a place for having some mm, curation, you might say, or mm-hmm. guidance for these demos, just to... Um, Not necessarily sabotage any organic nature of it, but uh, to make sure that certain things do get highlighted to try to answer any questions that might come up. Right.
0: Um, So, yeah, one thing at the booth that I was at was, you know, as people were in line, I would ask them about, you know, if they knew about this version of the game, if they knew about new mechanics and where to find the information. So when they got up to play, they were aware of, you know, what they were doing where to look up the new mechanics in the game so they could see the controls for it, and then they got to experience those in the game. Otherwise, they'd just you know, be button mashing and you know, would never see the new cool stuff that we have.
1: <laughs> yeah, definitely. <clears throat> you don't want to leave all of that up to organic discoverability. Right, mm-hmm. especially
0: at this kind of show.
1: You've <laughs> <trying to show laughs> you you only right? got a few minutes. You've right. only got a few minutes. Right. There, there's a line behind you. It's not a long line, but it is a line. It mm-hmm. might be longer, but we don't have enough space for more. Yeah.
0: Yeah, <laughs> we probably did have one of the longest lines in the area that we were at, mm. which was um, pretty nice to see. Yeah. yeah. Um, outside of the Sea of Thieves game, um, and maybe that Star Trek game, there there wasn't anything, any game that I saw with anything super new. Mm. Um, but they were good, you know, like versions of older games, like Recore, for example. Yeah. Like Metroid Prime. In those games, you're gonna like this game. You know, it's it's similar. Um, mm, solid games out there, but kind of sequels and stuff like that. Um, yeah, Sea Thieves was probably one of the most new and interesting games that I saw there. And again, though, my my time was mostly in the Microsoft area because that's where I was working. So <laughs> I got to wander around that area a little bit. Um, there might have been other stuff in in other areas. Um, I did play, you know, a bunch of uh, Atlas and Sega games um, Mm. randomly there, uh, Natsume games, things like that, Uh, you know, but um, there wasn't anything super new and exciting. Uh Uh, Played Yakuza 0 a little bit. That's interesting Mm. because I haven't played one before. (laughs) Um, And uh, that was it was very entertaining. um, But, you know, nothing nothing really new. Had a lot of cool uh, fighting styles. Hmm. Yeah.
1: All right. Uh, okay. Uh, I, before we started recording, you mentioned something about a, a like a, someone's survival guide. Yeah,
0: or I, I call it the E3 Efficiency Guide. Oh, so yeah. this is for people that haven't attended E3 before to get the most out of it. Because I've gone to a lot and I have a system now. <laughs> so I wanted to share this to try to help people, um, you know, experience the most out of E3 and get the most stuff out of it. Uh, so first, um, first bring a bag. bring a bag to E3 you're going to get bags there but a lot of them aren't the most comfortable and like I said they might be the Final Fantasy one which is gigantic and you're going to look ridiculous carrying it around so bring your own bag that's nice and comfortable that you like that has space Um, bring a poster tube because oh yeah, that makes sense. Chances are they're going to have people signing stuff there, and you're going to want it, and uh, you're not going to have anything to carry it in, and you're going to spend all day carefully holding this poster and trying not to dent it or get it bent or anything like or that. Or sweat
1: on it. Yeah.
0: So uh, bring a poster tube if you have one, or buy a cheap one. It, it'll it'll save you a lot of trouble. Uh, bring snacks in your bag <laughs> because because of a few reasons. Uh, one stuff there at the convention center is really really expensive and there's a lot of long lines uh they have started bringing in food trucks into the area outside between the south and west hall uh, which is very nice but there's still long lines there because everybody wants to go there because it's a little bit cheaper than inside but still expensive Um, if you don't bring anything and you're still really hungry go across the street uh, there's generally guys selling hot dogs there, bacon wrapped hot dogs for like three bucks, which are pretty reasonable. So, um, but,
1: certainly compared to what's inside, yeah.
0: <laughs> but bring your own stuff. They don't care. Yeah. <laughs> they don't check your bag for food or anything like that. Um, and so, bring your own stuff. It'll it'll save you a lot of time and money. Uh, on the very first day, go to the West Hall and. Go to Nintendo first.
1: <laughs> Nintendo
0: always has the longest line at E3, no matter what, no matter what they're showing. So always go to the West Hall. Also, there's the main entrance to the West Hall. And if you go like upstairs to the right, there's a side entrance up there uh, for the West Hall. Go to the side entrance because Nintendo is always in the back right of the West Hall. And you will get there faster if you're at that other <laughs> entrance, I guarantee you. <laughs> So West Hall, right entrance, go straight into Nintendo. You will get there first and you won't have to wait in a crazy, ridiculous, long three to four hour line. Because there will be people running there to that line, (laughs) guaranteed. Uh, After you go to Nintendo, generally what I do on the first day is not wait in line to see the games or shows. But I go to every booth and I figure out what their schedule is. Like If they have certain things at certain times, like signings or showings or tournaments or things like that, I try to check and see what everybody's schedule is. And I also look around to see who has swag to give away and what's best that they're giving out. Uh, And then just make a note of it. So I go around the whole West Hall, that's where all the first-party developers are. And then go to the South Hall, that's where all the third-party developers are. Just see what they're giving away, see what their schedule is, what they're doing, how their booths work, and then make your own schedule from that. Um, So after that, you'll probably have time still to do stuff the first day. I would go see what you really, really want to see and play the first day um, that you're willing to wait for a little bit. And then later on that night, make your schedule for day two, because you should know the schedule You should know what people are giving out. You should know who's going to be there, if they're going to have celebrities or signings or things like that. And you can schedule out your whole day two. So day two, I generally use for um, trying to get all the swag I can uh, and experiencing as much as I can with special events and things that people are having at the booth. Mm -hmm. Um, You can also get in, you know, gameplay time with whatever you want to play on day two. But... Day three is actually the best time to get gameplay time in, especially later in the day, because it's the last day, and most of the people have already waited in line to see, you know, and play what they wanted to play, so the lines are usually really, like, a lot shorter on day three, so uh, that's when I get the most gameplay time in and take pictures and stuff like that, Hmm. so... That's just to help people that haven't been to E3 before so you don't go in there and get overwhelmed and end up waiting four hours on Nintendo and you don't get to play what you actually want to play, you know, that day. And uh, you have some sort of structure and uh, schedule and plan on uh, how to do things. Hmm.
1: Yeah. So, uh, sage advice, if you ask me. Yeah. <laughs> as, as, as someone who's never been to an E3 either. Okay. <laughs> so yeah. You get my seal of ignorant approval. <laughs>
0: just something to share with people because, you know, I was, there were other people there that were with me that hadn't been to an E3 before. And I was kind of telling them like, oh, you know, do this and, you know, do that. And everybody was very appreciative (laughs) and got to see what they wanted to see and got the swag they wanted. So, um, you know, I I figured I should tell people, more people, as many people as I can and get information out there so that they have a better experience at E3. Uh, Oh, one other thing. Um, This is something kind of new this year. I noticed that some booths like uh, Atlas and Natsume and uh, maybe one or two other ones, um, they had swag there that was pretty nice, but the only way you could do it is they give you a card, and it has like uh, stamp areas on it, and as you play their games, you get a stamp. So you had to fill up the whole card and then yeah. bring it back to the desk and get it stamped or get your swag from the by giving them the stamp card, yeah. which is pretty good, um, but it was pretty crowded in those areas, so... If you're in one of those areas, look for a multiplayer game. <laughs> they had uh, certain games that were two to four players, and those lines go a lot faster because they're multiplayer and they're generally shorter sessions. So mm-hmm. look for those. Also, don't be afraid to ask the people if you could play the same game. If you're in a line that's moving really fast and you want to just get back in line and play the same game, they don't care. <laughs> they will stamp the card again because they don't care. <laughs> so get back in the same line that's moving fast, that's probably a four-player multiplayer game. Get your card stamped out really quick and get your stuff. <laughs>
1: yeah. All right. Yeah. Uh, anything else you'd like to share about E3, your experiences, anything? Um, or did we cover it all pretty much?
0: That's about it. All right. um, if you're in the industry, if you're an exhibitor, try to go to parties. <laughs> after e three um twitch uh curse media i g n uh gamespot and a few others had nice parties afterwards generally it's open bar so if you like free drinks, try to go to one of those parties hmm. yeah all right that wouldn't help me because I don't drink, but
1: that's my choice. But know, don't
0: so. drink too much so you can't go back to your booth and work the next day.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and and you shouldn't drink so much that you should not be walking. <laughs> right. I'm not going to let you live that one down. <laughs> Marco once got drunk and broke his foot walking. Yes, yes, yes I did. <laughs> very drunk. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would hope that you were very drunk to have broken your foot while walking. Yeah.
0: <laughs> but hey. That's pretty much it for... For E3, my my experience working there. It's a pretty good one. Uh, Tiring, more tiring than you would think, but
1: overall, pretty good. All right. Um, So, wrapping that up, this is the part of the show where we share a story of industry intrigue, if you want to call it that. (laughs) Uh, Marco, do you have anything you want to share or is it my oh, turn man. this time? I didn't, I didn't prepare anything. <laughs> do you have anything off the
0: top of your head? Or I, can
1: I, I have something. I'm I'm pretty sure I haven't told this one before, but, uh, uh I think you were around for this one. Um, uh, uh, Aaron, uh, because we work together at this point, uh, I was away for a while and, not to toot my own horn, but I had a pretty good reputation there for, you know, being a pretty good hard worker. And that's actually why I was sent away. I was actually on a on a business trip for a few weeks. Internationally, even. Woohoo! hoo But uh, when I got back, there was another guy there who said, Hey, we hired this guy, Aaron. He's like another you. <laughs> Which... <laughs> yeah, Marco's not, not nodding quite. his head. I think he <laughs> remembers this story now. Um, and... Yeah, I, I was told he was like another me because he was this hard worker and he was like, you know, real serious about getting stuff done or whatever. And, you know, not not, not too long into it, weird stuff started showing up. Like, you know, we were working on a World War II game and, and he was like, I don't remember if he was asking or if he wrote up that there was a misspelling in there. He's like, what is this? Did, did, H-E-I-L? I, I don't think that's right. It's like... Kyle, like I don't know, see Kyle. I mean, it's a World War Two game, you know. Yeah. I mean, if somehow you've never seen it spelled and it and it and it, you know, caught you off guard, you know, I'm, I'm I can understand that. I can appreciate that, you know. But you know, if someone's saying these guys awesome and and that's, it raises a warning flag. Later. um me and a couple other people were trying to, to discuss something and the testing pit got a little noisy and one of them turned around and said, hey guys, we're trying to have a conversation, can you keep it down? And apparently Aaron here thought he was being singled out and thus began a rather rapid deterioration yeah. of, of his sort of status until, let's see, I'm, I'm not leaving anything out here, but uh, at, at one point he just started... I remember sitting down and at one point, I just looked up and he wasn't there anymore. And I looked, later I was walking around, I saw him in a side office with one of the uh, VPs or something. He was in there for a while. And later, he like never even came back to the desk. He was just gone. (laughs) And apparently he, he just kind of like completely raged out and left partially over the the please be quiet thing and you know you'd think that would just be a weird instance and then it would just end there and Aaron was just kind of a weird guy you kind of like presented well but didn't work in a team well but no that's not the end of the story because I knew the next guy who hired him (laughs) and we like happened to have met up and started playing ping pong or something. And over the game, he's like, yeah, I heard this guy, Aaron. Is like, oh, be careful. <laughs> I just kind of explained what's going on. Oh, no, no. I think it's going to be fine. He says, like, oh, sure, maybe. Maybe it was just a thing, but, you know, be careful. Talked with this guy later. And it's like, yeah, Aaron quit. Really? <laughs> yeah. He just like raged out on one of the engineers and just stormed out. And I kind of caught him on the way out. And he said, you know, this is the third job in a row this has happened. Maybe it's me. I'm like, yeah, maybe it's him. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah,
0: I I would agree. Um, (laughs) You know, like for the most part, he was really nice and cool and calm. But once he got upset about something, and something very minuscule, he was gone. Rage took over. And I remember specifically... One day he got really angry and went outside <laughs> and started doing push-ups in the parking lot <laughs> with his shirt off. <laughs> oh, God. And we were just like, "What is going on?" Like this guy is just like, you know, he was just really, really high-strung for some reason. For like I said, like for the most part, he was actually pretty cool. And but once he he got set off by anything, it, it was just like it was a little scary.
1: Yeah,
0: <laughs> it was a little scary. Yeah. yeah.
1: Fortunately, he didn't assault anybody or anything like that. It was just, you know, he... It it wasn't like he couldn't control his behavior, just he couldn't control his emotion, Mm -hmm. I think. Mm -hmm. Anyhow, uh, seems like a guy who could probably use a therapist and as such kind of underscores the point that there needs to be less stigmatization of behavioral health issues in, well, not just this country, but the world in general. Mm -hmm. I will repeat what... uh, Scott Levy, the wrestler Raven, said he's never met anybody who couldn't use some therapy. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's just, you know, everyone could use someone to talk to. That's, that's all there that's is true. to it, you know? It's, there's there's no shame in it. There isn't. But anyway, my whole creed decided about the screed. Did I use that right? Anyhow. Yeah, my life is still kind of busy, so I'm tired and I might have picked the wrong word there. Whatever. <laughs> uh Well, um, think that's it for today. Thanks, Marco. Thank you. All right. Good time for me. Good time for you, I hope. Good time for all the people listening, I hope. In any case, uh, if there's anything you'd like to see me write about in the Behind the Line articles or hear us talk about here on Behind the Line Radio, you can always get in touch with me at kinetic at com. That's K-Y-N-E-T-Y-K at enthusiaks.com, you know, like the URL. And um, yeah, see y'all next time. Behind the Line Radio is presented by Enthusiacs.com. For more podcasts, Let's Plays, articles, videos, reviews, and more, visit us at Enthusiacs.com. Also, send us a comment on Twitter, at Enthusiasts. View us on YouTube, channel Enthusiasts and like us on Facebook, Enthusiasts.